All right, so we're recording, and I don't know how to do intros. So we are here with Stephanie Crawford and myself. We're back from Fantastic Fest. Uh, this is uh, Steph's second film festival, first being uh, South By, which was earlier this year, and now Fantastic Fest. So if you could let me know how you feel, I know you're sick, but how you feel, you can leave the sickness out of it. Because everybody, I, I think it's important though. I I caught the famous fantastic flu. Yeah, true, true. So you can talk about, but let's save that. But here's what pisses me off: it's not a flu. I got my flu shot before I came. It's a cold, but it's not alliterative. So I guess that's why. There you go. This so yeah, everybody, stuff. everybody gets it. That's your initiation, <laughs> actually. That's that's how we oh, initiate nice. people at Fantastic Fest. Is everybody gets sick? I got sick way way back when. Um, so how was it being at the, the best genre film festival in the universe? Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it's the best I've ever been to. It's also been the worst, but mostly it was the best. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, you have to get that out of the way. It's out of my system. We're okay now. Um, no, it was great. Um, it's just a week plus of being allowed to be hyper-focused on movies and genre movies, no less, like offbeat, international, a lot of times independent, but there's big studio stuff too. Um, it becomes your whole world, which is kind of amazing and freeing. <laughs> All your concerns revolve around getting to a screening, seeing the movies you want, and talking to everyone else about them. Um, it's been a bit of an adjustment getting back to real life, honestly. Uh, but I had a great time. Well, it's good. I love when new people come to Fantastic Fest because, one, it's newbies, and it's nice to have, like, fresh meat at the festival just because it, you get to live vicariously through them to watch them suffer um through sleep lack of sleep therefore and um trying to decide what to watch because everything's playing at the same time uh mostly the films just play twice uh sometimes three times if there's a buzz uh watch them get really excited for a secret screening and all the rumors that happen with that it's just it is it is a lot of fun to watch uh their hopes get dashed when the yeah. secret screening isn't what they wanted it to yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> everybody wanted cats, and then, you know, it's not cats. But um, It's not even Dr. Sleep. If we're not going to get cats <laughs> or Dr. Sleep, why are we here? So uh, this is my um, 11th Hot damn. Uh, Fantastic Fest, uh, 10th or 11th. Um, so I've been covering Fantastic Fest uh, – well, I did it through, uh, I believe, Pop Shifter when I uh, very first started writing. And um, then I have covered it on the, the screencast. So the, I think, think maybe five years on the, on the screencast covering. So if you listen to the show, you kind of know uh, everything about it as far as uh, kind of the details. Like Steph said, it's just, it's just a week of movies and that's all you care about. And you eat, drink and watch movies and you are sleep deprived and it's tough. 
And it's even tougher if you do like we go as press because there's actually an additional screening uh, beforehand, which I was actually there in the mornings because I was doing uh, the vinegar syndrome table. So this year, again, this is the second year in a row that vinegar syndrome um, has been part of uh, Fantastic Fest, which we've had uh, two films screen uh, this time, which was awesome. We had a table for the whole week, but I was there in the mornings and I was typically getting there as the press screenings were letting out. Oh, wow. And watching the people come out of the press screenings and just look at me like they just got fucking punched in the face multiple times, <laughs> come up to the table and like, they're like, hey, what'd, what'd you go see? The, you know, the, so that's the one thing is you just have to get used to. What are you seeing next? What did you see? Yes. How did you like? yes. Very common questions, but that's, that's just part of the game. It's just that if you go, you're going to be talk. You're going to be asked that countless times. You know, I actually stopped to think about that once. I'm like, wow, it's a really repetitive conversation. And I thought to myself, when does this conversation ever happen? You know, when you're at film festivals, that's it. So it's it's kind of like right. a great yeah. kind of repetitiveness. But yeah, you don't really mind it. It's not bothersome. Right. The only time I guess it is a little bothersome is when you're at South by um, just because of the conversations that people have like South by is a different type of animal. One, it's not strictly a genre festival. It's uh, way, way bigger, but also at the same time, the people that go aren't really your people, I guess you could say, or everybody's people. I mean, they're still great. Like, it's still not knocking South by uh, patrons at all. Yeah. It's, just, <clears throat> it's just a completely different animal. Um, a lot of people there talking about content, content, content. Right, creation. yeah. And, and, you're, <laughs> and you're there at Fantastic Fest in your domain. Like, you're there with people just like you. Um, but anyways, so you just got to get to use to those questions. And so if you've never been to Fantastic Fest or you're new to the show, uh what I just said. And then it literally has uh, parties, uh, food eating contests, karaoke. There's a big after party, just numerous things going on. You can't attend everything and you can't see every movie. So once you kind of been there a couple of times, you understand the flow of things and what's cool, what is more or less your shit and what's not your shit. Uh, for me, like I don't go to the d- debates. Um, did you go to the debates? Um, I went to the feud. I didn't you went go to the feud, to the yeah. So the debates is something that a lot of people don't seem to do. Uh, it used to be a little bit bigger, I think. Um, but I think they've kind of toned it down a lot uh, over the years. I think so, because people were really talking it up to me, and I was super hyped, and I went there, and there were a lot of empty seats, and the energy was like, it was still fun, but it was sold to me as a much bigger occasion. So yeah, it was still fun. And oh, like at the draft house, they you really can't talk. There's multiple ads where you can't talk, you can't look at your phone, which is great. Uh, but during the feud, you can just get drunk and scream at everyone on the stage. That was really fun. Really feels like a camp because it's all in one location and you get to know everyone. Yeah, well, it, you 
I was talking about the debates for a second. Um, and I know people get them always confused. So you bet you're right. Oh yeah. I still can't No, the debates I wanted to go to, but I think it was early on and my body wasn't used to the pace yet. And I'm old and boring. So I was like, ah, that's okay. <laughs> well, like, I think both you're, you're not wrong when, when you started talking about the feud, because I have been going to the feud for a little while and this one was so, so toned down, it seemed. Um, but honestly, it is more or less who's on stage. Oh, um, yeah, I could see that. So, and also the stage was a lot smaller, it seemed, this year. And everybody's a little bit huddled together um, a little bit more. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, like I said, I guess it really depends on who's on stage because there was a lot of fun on the left-hand side with uh kind of um i mean mike vanderbilt made it a lot of fun there goes my dog she has kind of dogs. <laughs> don't worry people she's like um, put me on the stage i'll bring you a showman jet so you know you had mike vanderbilt that really did um you know kind of a fun fun job as far as like bringing them lord and just acting a fool and then um andre highland who was in the death of dick long he actually made that thing pretty hilarious when he and Trace Thurman, I thought oh, was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, because basically they were doing it right. They were all getting drunk and pre-gaming, getting drunk and then kind of letting loose, which is a lot of fun. Some people take the uh, take the feud seriously. Other ones just want to have fun. And honestly, it's a lot better when people just get shit faced and go crazy. Uh, Nacho Vigalondo is uh, kind of notorious as far as the feud because he has created chaos on stage by throwing chairs at people and it, wow. has, <laughs> it really has gotten out of hand. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's toned down a little bit um, because I think Fantastic Fest is still kind of, you know, this is the very, this is, you know, so it's like two years ago everything happened, which it should have, which was a good thing. So I think Fantastic Fest is still kind of recovering. <laughs> Jess, you okay? Um, Fantastic Fest is still recovering from that, uh, as well as, you know, getting their shit together, uh, coming up with even better solutions and moving forward and having that light at the end. So this is the the first year where, you know, kind of the clouds have cleared a little little bit more and um, kind of getting out of their shell, uh, not really out of their shell, that might be not the best way to put it. Um, just kind of getting out there and getting that, that vibe back, taking the chances with films too, because I know uh, with the past uh, two years, they were very careful with what they've played, mainly because of the content. And then this year, it was kind of uh, crazy, which was great, you know, because that's, you know, that's what we want. We want, mm -hmm. you know, genre films. We want movies that push limits. We, we, that's what we go to Fantastic Fest for. We go to Fantastic Fest for wild movies and movies that push the envelope, which is wonderful. Um, the Golden Club did that. I was, that movie fucked, even fucked me up. Um, but um, yeah, I think everything's in the, going in the right direction. And it's very positive and it is nice to see new faces and um, kind of even, you know, more people and newer people coming to this thing. 
So as like we were talking about, there's many events um, and you went to the feud. I was at the feud. Um, I helped with, uh, I help with the questions every year. So pretty much the night before and the night of, I, uh, I always help with the questions. And every year I get asked, hey, Brad, why aren't you in the feud? And it's like, fucker, I, was, I know all the answers because I was helping with the questions. So do you think there'll ever be a year where you forego helping with the questions so well, you can be in it? Yeah, that's actually what they said. Uh, Max, who does the hosting, uh, is the host of the feud. He said, you know, next year I just won't include you on the email. And we're going to put you in the feud. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's, that sounds great. Cause I've actually never done it. Um, I've always kind of been behind the scenes uh, in the feud. So right. could be fun. I'll drink a uh, Don't yawn when you say that. So, but as far as events, the only other events that I attended was uh, Zach Carlson and Brett Berg. Finally, uh, after uh, two years of waiting, unleash their hundred best kills, uh, the sweetest taboo. A hundred, uh, basically. So traditionally, um, they haven't done it in the past two years, but before uh, all the other fantastic best, they've hundred, had hundred best kills. So hundred best kills involving whatever it may be. This year, it was kids. So hundred best kid kills. <laughs> Did you go to kid kills? No, I had on my okay. schedule, but some things happened. I couldn't make it. Uh, yeah. So how was it? It was amazing. And the reason for the delay is that this was supposed to play two years ago when kind of everything happened at Fantastic Fest. And by, you know, just thought process and what would be a, not a good idea is that they pulled um, the kid killing. Wasn't um, Yeah, wasn't time to see a bunch of dead kids? Yeah, it was just like everything else was kind of unfolding, you know, three billboards got pulled, um, just everything was, you know, uh, um, burning, which, like I said, it it should have, I was happy about it, um, but also felt bad for everybody behind the scenes at Fantastic Fest um, that kind of didn't have control over everything that was happening, of course. But, um, you know, it that was something that I, I think that Zach... And the programming team had a, you know, a, 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 it was a good idea to pull it. So um, being that last year was kind of the new entry into Fantastic Fest of being restructured. And it was too soon. So this year they were like, fuck it, let's do it. So two years in the making, or two years of waiting, uh, 100 Best Kills, uh, Kid Edition. And it was hilarious uh, watching uh, kids get slaughtered on screen. Um, there was more than 100 uh, kills because there were scenes with... Uh, numerous children um oh. getting getting butchered and slaughtered and it was uh oh, it was nice. a lot of fun it was uh it's very much kind of like uh it, the same thing with uh with the feud where they dim the lights when they play the clips but other than that lights come on zach is uh you know basically doing a commentary and talking throughout he's absolutely hilarious um great guy so yeah i was glad that hunter best kills played um I guess now we can talk about some movies. Yeah, people- I do want to say that hopefully I can go next year. 
And next year, one of my goals is to become friends with Zach Carls because <laughs> I'm such a fan of so many things he does. And literally everyone talks about how nice he is. Yeah. And I mentioned to you, he looks like my grandpa when he was a young man. And that just makes me like automatically like him. So this is probably weird to include, but damn it, Zach, you're going to be my friend. <laughs> he will. Zach's uh, one of my best friends and uh, good, good guy all around. And um beats anybody at fucking knowledge on movies that's for sure dude's insane um so other than that uh i guess we can jump into um one thing that was really cool i thought about fantastic best uh this year was um it seemed that they were going back to their roots of when they kind of first started and that's something that I enjoyed because I was brought up on Fantastic Best with, and that was their sixth year, I think, um, at the time. Um, so when it when I started going, it was a lot more unknown movies, uh, which I loved. It was stuff that I never heard of. Um, it was stuff that wasn't even on my radar. Um, and then slowly through the years, as Fantastic Best grew more and more studio films were involved. Uh, a lot of films that were anticipated by a lot of people were scheduled. So it wasn't much of a surprise. Um, and it was honestly just a few here and there oddballs that were thrown in. And slowly the repertory screenings kind of dissipated. They all, uh, all kind of went away. There was just a few, but it was usually in light of some other screening. You know, like when they did, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank, but what it doesn't matter. It's, um, they really kind of refrain from doing so many rep screenings and give slots to big studio films. So this year was awesome because they had plenty of repertory screenings. They had films from all over and things I had never even heard of or on my radar, plenty of surprises. And it was really, it felt like Fantastic Fest again. I've always loved Fantastic Fest and I've always loved the programming, but this year was a little bit more special because it felt like old times like when old I very school. first started going. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and I agree with you. I thought it was a great mix, um, but I do have something mildly controversial to bring up and ask you. Oh, all right. Done. Do it. So... There was a big force at this year's Fantastic Fest, um, Netflix. There okay. are a lot of Netflix films screening. Okay. And this is my first time at Fantastic Fest, so I'm not really sure how it works when you have a corporation that produces its own movies as a sponsor. And... And it was this unusual, uh, someone having this big of a presence or, um, over the course of the past two, three years, uh, Netflix has taken a bigger part in fantastic fest. And I know that there has been a lot of complaints, um, even like on the fantastic friends, uh, group online on Twitter, people were complaining about Netflix of all people. I am the one that really fucking hates Netflix. 
I really dislike Netflix. I have disliked Netflix for a long, long time. But that said, I do think it's cool that they're there for two reasons. Um, one, they actually do bring some good genre films with them. They kind of don't fuck around. Kind of, they do the same thing at South by too. Um, they don't really bring their big studio stuff. Uh, some things actually get acquired in the process of playing at TIFF, and then they go to Fantastic Fest. They've already been booked, and Netflix has acquired them. Kind of like how the platform happened. The platform originally wasn't a Netflix uh-huh. movie, but was acquired at TIFF, and then made its way to Fantastic Fest, and then was a Netflix film. Um, that said, it's the only place I'll actually probably watch a movie that's Netflix only because I don't watch uh, um, the app. I don't go to the app and watch things typically. Very, very seldom I do. Um, and here, here's my theory on that. If it's a film that is being publicized and commercials everywhere and everybody's talking about it, 95% of the time it's shit. It's the films that you never hear about that are actually the decent ones on Netflix. And the decent ones have actually played at Fantastic Fest. And that's pretty badass. Like The Night Comes for Us, uh, Frank Grillo and The Will Man. Like all that shit is really, really fucking good. The Platform, that was another one. Um, So that said, the other part of that is that Fantastic Fest it takes a lot to put on a festival. It's a lot of money. Fantastic Fest pays for people to come uh, for filmmakers and uh, sometimes guests. Uh, they get a pass. They get their uh, basically their airfare paid for uh, on certain things. It's not everybody that's included on the film, but they, there are certain uh, people that do get uh, you know sent sent there. Um, all the free beer, all the, you know, stuff that they provide. It takes a lot to put on a festival. Lots and lots of money. And to have a corporation as powerful as Netflix that actually does bring genre cinema with them, they're not playing big budget bullshit. They usually play their smaller films at uh, there, which is great. You know, because what it was like, Dolomite is my name which that was kind of cool because that's resurrecting the Dolomite movies. Uh, right. In the, shat- the 35 millimeter print there the day after, I think, which is really right. cool. And that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> they played In the Shadow of the Moon, which I didn't really care for, but Jim Mickle got his start basically at Fantastic Fest. He's, he's a Fantastic Fest alumni. Um, you know, he's had countless movies there. Uh, the platform is very, very like... Uh, very much uh, a Fantastic Fest film. Like that feels like when you watch, after you've been going to Fantastic Fest for a while, you could understand you'll say that's a Fantastic Fest movie. I could totally see that playing there. Um, And I'm I'm sure there's some other Netflix movies I'm missing, but they really do bring kind of their A game with them. And that's something I can really dig. So that's kind of what I say to people whenever they say, oh, there's a big Netflix presence. Like that's a big corporation. You know, um, I, I, I do agree. Netflix has some really bad shit, but also at the same time, they have some really good shit that uh, 
really isn't focused on sometimes on their app and being, you know, their promotional stuff. They're always kind of tucked away. And, you know, and that's, I'm fine with that. It was even that uh, the guy that directed Green Room and Murder Party and Blue Ruin, I, mm-hmm. he had his other film. It was a Netflix film that played there like last year. I didn't like it at all, um, but it, I can't even really remember the name of it. Um, Jeremy Solner is the director's name. Um, so that, that's kind of my two cents on it. I, I think it's very needed because, uh, you know, because of sponsorship in general, uh, they need their money. I think Netflix is a cool one uh, in that aspect because they really do bring some good genre films with them. Yeah, I figured I had to bring it up because a lot of people were talking about it and complaining about it while I was there. And the Netflix movies I did see there, they did seem very thoughtfully chosen. They weren't trying to like shoehorn like this coming of age drama totally belongs at Fantastic Fest. They did fit in with the other films. And that that's the thing with, with people is they don't understand that. Uh, they don't understand that Netflix... Uh, is acquires things too. Like they're not produced by Netflix. Like some, some are, some, some movies are made by Netflix, like straight, you know, even TV shows like stranger things and things like that. But a lot of films are self-produced by producers and then they get acquired by Netflix and then it becomes a Netflix film. Netflix is kind of like trauma in that way. Like everybody says all oh, this trauma movie. And it's like trauma didn't make that. They just acquired yeah. it because they bought libraries basically when they were at the top of their game. Um, but anyways, Fellini movie. what is it? <laughs> that, that movie Fellini made with trauma. Yeah, exactly. Fellini, <laughs> Fellini and uh, Lloyd Kaufman together again. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, needed and I don't frown upon it. Um, if Netflix was playing like Max Landis is bright, yeah, that would probably be bullshit. Oh, that would have been rough. <laughs> but you know, they're not. They're they're picking really good genre films, you know, and also people that belong at Fantastic Fest, like Jim Mickle. Dudes had like three movies play at Fantastic Fest, you know. So it's kind of nice to have him back in a bigger capacity, even if the movie kind of blew. But um, yeah, I dig it. Um, but as far as repertory screenings, they actually had uh, a decent amount this year. Um, mm-hmm. Agfa kind of took over on that, which I was a little, uh, you know, I, I like Agfa, of course, but it really felt like a lot of promotional stuff for them as far as like their upcoming releases. Yeah, everyone did. And, and it'll be out on TV Ray next year. Yeah, and it was just one of those things where Agfa usually does a pretty good job of kind of curating their content. And this year there was just a lot of stuff that was thrown in. I felt that really like, I don't know, it just didn't really fit. And I know that you and I saw a couple things like they did a great job with, uh, you know, the kind of uh, the sidebars, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, the Mexican uh, genre sidebar that was that was really great so mm-hmm. step and i saw uh you know ship of monsters um <laughs> it was one of my favorites there which, what a blast which was, which was fantastic that was uh new to me it was very reminiscent to the goofy universal uh monster movies um way goofier it was goofy on another level but yeah, it was also no, very clever and self-aware i've n- never seen anything like it 
even though it had a little bit of literally everything in it. Yeah, it was so uh, fun. Like science fiction, other planet, cowboy, cowboy western musical, (laughs) and yeah, the romance, and then uh, numerous monsters, fucking vampires, uh, vampires. Like it, it really is just a kind of kitchen sink of of everything. Um, but anyways, it's, uh, that was really great. Um, did you see that, uh, the, uh, what is it? The black pit of Dr. M. I did. I did. That one was much more traditional. I loved it, but it fell more into the Gothic horror segment where you have like deformed people and locked up insane people and mad scientists. And, um, so that was a very classic Gothic horror yeah. movie, but it was still a lot of fun. And it, it did uh, great with that. And then also one of my other favorites, uh, Trampa Infernal, Hell's Trap that they did, which is uh, Predator, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> Final Terror. First Blood. First Blood, <laughs> Just Before Dawn. Basically, every, all those like genre pictures mashed up into one about uh, a killer killing some people that are hunting a bear. Um, which is funny because it actually would pair well with Berserker. Um, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're hunting, <laughs> I think of bears killing everybody out in the woods and it just turns out to be a killer. Um, but anyway, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, Trampa Infernal was great, uh, which I've seen, but I actually went to go see it just because I wanted to see it on the big screen. Um, like that stuff was really good. And then they also act prepared with uh, us for vinegar syndrome, which we did Tammy and the T-Rex, uh, prey. Which is so fun. Yeah. Tammy and the T-Rex. And so no, great to watch with the crowd. Yeah. It, it totally knocked the house down twice. We got two screenings on that, which, um, which was great. Um, and then they paired with Severin with the peanut butter solution, which is a wonderful daytime movie. Like first thing, I was telling everybody, like, they were like, hey, have you seen the peanut butter solution? I was like, if it plays in the morning, see that shit at 11 o'clock. It's going to play so, so well. And it did, um, which is a, it's a really weird and goofy movie. Um, but then there was stuff like Limbo, which I understand why they played it. It just, you and I saw Limbo together. It was a shot on video mm-hmm. horror film, a female director. But it just, it just didn't, Nothing really worked for it. Yeah, it was more interesting as a snapshot in time and of working with very little resources and that, but not entertaining. <laughs> it yeah, like, it, it was under an hour, which was good. But the interview, <laughs> basically the, 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 the Q&A with the director was way, way better than the movie um, because it actually went into detail about her life and also how where she came from as far as working with Gary Wilson so much, which uh, I actually made jokes about before seeing uh, the movie. I was with um, Nolan McBride and Paul Farrell, uh, um, Emily, and then, um, which is, is it Horella? Is that what, is it, is that her name on Twitter? I always forget. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Basically, we were talking about kind of the wave um, type media where you would go, you would send in a script, pay people to, to, to bring your fantasy to, to reality. And she was actually a star in a lot of Gary uh, Wilson's strangulation movies. 
And so she actually made a career for herself and, you know, kind of broke out of that, doing a lot of genre pictures, became a director, which mm-hmm. her stories was a lot better than the movie, but I understand why they played it, but it just, it didn't really, it was boring. Yeah. You know? Well, um, Annie Cho from Bleeding Skull did most of those and she was great. She was yeah. very enthusiastic and asked great questions. And I think she was kind of like a quiet superstar of the festival because she did great Q&As. Oh yeah, she's Annie, and she Annie is fucking great. She she's she's wonderful. She's very energetic, and I l- always love to hear her speak. And that was kind of a highlight of Limbo for me. Not so much the movie. So I'm actually glad I went to see it because I got to see that. <laughs> um, the I other one that you... kind of fell flat. I didn't see it at Fantastic Fest, but you saw She Mob, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of the same thing. I feel like it's just it's a there. It's, no, uh, it played like gangbusters with the crowd. Yeah? Yeah. Um, even like the long kind of dull moments, especially at the beginning, it created such an awkward silence that the audience would just burst into laughter at the same time because everyone felt so awkward. Um, yeah, maybe it's a crowd thing. It actually, I had a lot of fun at that one. But again, the Q&A, that was an AGFA something weird joint. Super interesting. I'm actually definitely going to pick up that disc because it sounds like if they do a commentary, that will be really interesting. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's a movie I saw saw by myself. So yeah, that that's probably why. And I also saw the McPherson tape, which is rad as shit. So. It was amazing. <laughs> I didn't think seeing like an hour long shot on video UFO thing on the big screen. Um, well, you know, I was looking forward to it, but oh, it was so fun. And one of the best Q&As, uh, they had like one of the actors as a UFO conspiracist plant saying like, why are you still telling people this is fake? And, you know, it's a goofy gimmick, but it really worked. And it was just a blast. Like when I would hear about Fantastic Fest before going, that was the kind of thing I imagined. Yeah, and it was, um, I, I didn't go to the McPherson uh, tape screening, but I was, um, it was funny because uh, I was at the booth and uh, this guy came up to, to the booth and um, he was just, he was just, he was like, oh, cool, you know, cool selection. He's like, you know, I watched a lot of these when I was in school, you know, and um, I looked at his name and I was like, hey, I was like, yeah, I didn't even look at because they are labeled film guests, but I didn't even see that. I just saw his name and I was like, Did, didn't you direct um, Incident in the Lake, Lake County? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, you're the McPherson tape guy. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my film. And I was like, holy shit, man. I was like, you fucked me up. He was like, that's not my fault. That's your parents for letting you watch it. (laughs) And we just, and we talked for, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes, you know, uh, because basically I I said, you know, I was been a fan of the McPherson tape. And I said, you know, I I was actually introduced to the remake uh, first. And that's what I saw on television. And um, it was on HBO or something because there wasn't any commercials. And I thought that shit was real. And um, it really did scare me because there's nothing I, I'm not scared of, you know, snakes, 
you know, anything like that. I'm not scared of monsters, not scared of the dark. I've just never, ever been scared of anything. The only thing that gets me is fucking aliens. Really? And yeah, especially the grays. That shit fucking freaks me out. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll say it right now, I'm a believer in that shit. So have you ever seen the remake of the McPherson tape? No, he talked about it in the Q&A. It sounded really interesting. But this this was a cool thing because it's something you grew up with. But I had never heard about any of this until I was reading about all the movies that we're going to show. So I just think it's cool that um, with the rep screenings that you can have people said, oh, I love this as a kid. or I loved it in college. And you'll have like noobs like me be like, what's this? This looks interesting. Well, that's cool. But it's, it is that's, cool. That's, I like that. Part of, you know, I always like finding people that haven't seen shit because, again, I get to live vicariously through them because I. that's why I like showing people movies at my house that I've seen that they haven't because I get to watch them watch it for the first time. And then, right. you know, it's the same thing <laughs> um, with my kid. Like, I love watching a lot of movies with Willow because I got to watch her reaction, you know. But, um, yeah, so I, we were talking and, you know, I told him, I said, I saw it, like, I think on HBO or something. Um, and I, I actually didn't start it from the beginning. I came in like halfway and the aliens were already doing their siege on the house. And I said, honestly, it was that one scene where the boy has to really use the bathroom. So he goes upstairs and he realizes that they're upstairs already. And he sees one in the hallway and he runs to his room, shuts the door, and locks it. And then he slowly backs up, and the camera's on the door. <laughs> and then there's a noise to the right, and he shifts, and then the light shines on a gray, and the gray slips down. And then the gray slowly lifts up next to him, and he's shivering and crying, and he, <laughs> starts, he starts pissing his pants. And the gray is incredibly close to him. And I tell you what, that scene fucking freaked the fuck out of me. And I honestly was scared to death of the dark for a little while. Oh, no. So, and, and it was, and it's really funny because it's the time. And I, I did this later on because uh, I've had a, you know, I never really had too much or any trauma in my life. So I always heard when people block things out, like, oh, I blocked that out. Like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that time in my life. And I was always kind of like, how? How's that possible? <laughs> and so I was in, uh, we used to make short films and stuff like that um, into my late teens, uh, early 20s with a group of people. And so one time we were sitting down and I said, Hey, what I want to do is I want to uh, have us at a party and we're going to make like a found footage thing. And I said, there's going to be this big noise in the back and there's, they have this big wooded area behind the house. And I said, we can shine some lights and then we go up there and we realize it's aliens that have landed and then they see us. And then we're going to run back to the house. They're going to siege on the house. And my buddy goes, dude, this sounds a lot like the McPherson tape. And I said, the what? And he said, the McPherson tape. You're like literally talking about the McPherson tape. And I said, what is that? And um, he said, you just, you know, he said, I don't know where to get it. And I found it online. 
And um, I watched it that night. And oh my God, I tell you what, I was watching and I was like, I blocked all of this out. Because wow. it's terrified the shit out of me. I forgot that this is actually what started my, also my obsession with uh, kind of researching and, and reading about the grace. Like I own every Whitley Stryper book. I have watched every Travis Walton interview. I have Travis Walton documents. I am obsessed with this kind of thing. Not to the point of being crazy or a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I just believe, you know? So uh, it like brought back everything. And that night I'm like in my twenties shivering on my computer because I'm watching this and I'm like, this fucked me up. And it's so good. Um, Is that why you didn't go to the screening? (laughs) No, no, I didn't go to the screening because I've I've seen the McPherson tape and the remake a few times. Like, I love it. It's so good. We got a little Uh, alien toy, though, Brad. You missed out on it. Shit. Fuck. (laughs) Well, anyways, I was talking to Dean about this. Um, We're on a first name basis now. Um, We were talking about all this and, you know, I, you know, he said, are are you, do you believe in that stuff? And he said, I do. That's the reason why I make it. And um, I said, yeah, I was like, I did a bunch of research because I was writing a screenplay basically about all this shit. And I um, did an interview with Travis Walton and a few other people that claim that they've been abducted. And I'm also one of those people that say all these people are pretty much full of shit, um, except I do believe certain things that have happened. So, um, yeah. Anyways, we had a really fun conversation, told him kind of everything that happened and he was getting a kick out of it, laughing at my pain. But um, yeah, we had a, we had a good time and um, yeah, that was, I guess that was kind of the last of the rep screenings, right? Other than we, the, the, the prey that played. Um, yeah. Oh, Lyle. Lyle. Yeah. Lyle was another one that played. Um, at, uh, yeah, I saw that. Which have you seen Lyle before? No. Oh, okay. Lyle's good. It's a, it's a I liked, really. I liked it. Yeah. It's yeah, from it's, 2014, I think. Yeah, that was part of their. Um, uh, they had a uh, like a, a queer sidebar too, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, Prey fell under that. Um, Lyle, um, but also Nightmare on Elm Street too, with the with the documentary uh, where they played the doc, and then they played Nightmare on Elm Street too. Right? It was kind of yeah. what they did. Yeah, they screened that on 35, which is really awesome. So, yeah, great rep screenings this year. They might have missed one or two, but um, for the most part, that's kind of what I was brought up on with Fantastic Fest in the beginning. Um, so, I, I mean, I did say that, I guess, I, but I pretty much liked a lot of stuff. Thing. I think what it was was limbo. Just It was 55 minutes, but it felt like we sat there for 55 hours. Um, yeah, I don't regret sitting it, but it definitely was. Okay. You don't, do you regret sitting next to me because I was so fidgety? Yeah, we talked about this before, but if you're engaged, you fidget like someone dumped ants on you. <laughs> That's when you know I'm not enjoying a movie at all. Um, right, you saw me crying when a movie, so we're even. Fine. Well, hey, I I cried in, in, in movies. I tell you what. When I, like, I sat next to some people that didn't like uh, The Arrival, and I sat in The Arrival fucking bawling my eyes out that whole, like, last 30 minutes of the movie. So, I got that going for me. 
Um, oh, Happiness of the Katakuris. That was another one. Did you get to see that there? Yeah. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit to lead up to that. Oh. So my first night at Fantastic Fest, they don't, the screenings usually start at 11, except for the eight o'clock press screenings, which I said, maybe I'd go to and no, couldn't do it. Um, but the first night, I think the first showing was at five and I got to see Jojo Rabbit and, you know, obviously one of the gigantic ones and I was super excited. Um, but then I got to see first love, which is the new, uh, Mikey film, Mike film. And, um, I loved it by the way. Did you see first love? No, I have not seen it. Okay, it, it was a blast. It was almost like a greatest hits of his um, late 90s, early 2000s work. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and it had a lot of heart. And um, I, I did get to see um, the screening afterwards. And um, it was just a celebration of him. They gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um and he was hilarious. And it, it just became like a celebration of him. And um, it, it was great. It was kind of like seeing where an artist is now and where they were like, what, about 20 years ago? Mm. So that, that was a treat. And to me, it, it, the night started out really splashy, like celebrities were there. It was like the big movie. And then um, with both the new movie and then the happiness of the catacuries it um i don't know like that's the first time i started feeling kind of cozy at fantastic fest i'm like this is great it's not just about showing off his new movie but they're just yeah seeing them paired together it it just felt really special and it felt really loving towards him like it wasn't just about them having a big movie they could show off but that they were really just thrilled that he was making the films he's been making. Um, and they just really wanted him to feel welcome and celebrated. And it was really cool to witness that. How was, how did that happiness of Katakuris play at midnight? Well, it was interesting. It was kind of sleepy. I think uh, there wasn't a lot of reaction and I, I kind of glance around at the audience uh, when I'm in a theater and there were a lot of people who looked like they were maybe in their early 20s and I think had no idea what they were about to see. And um, I, I would say small handful of people like me who are like, yeah, we finally get to see this on the big screen. It was fun. Cool. So I'd say. <laughs> um, and now get your pad and paper ready or the notes on your phone or whatever you do to write down, make a letterboxed I want to see list. And we will go through um, pretty much everything that we saw at uh, Fantastic Fest. Um, let's try to maybe keep everything to under five minutes. Maybe quick snippets uh, if it's a yay or nay. Way under five. And you're the one who goes on. I, I can do this fast and brutal. Wow. Insult to flying as well. <laughs> it's not an insult, man. We just have different personality. Let's wow. do this. All right. So, all right. You go first. 
Okay, well, uh, everyone over, I saw Jojo Rabbit, First Love, and The Happiness of the Katakuris. Um, I saw Black Piv, Dr. M, which we touched on. I saw The Antenna, which that one, it's a Turkish film. I was very excited to see that. Um, basically, uh, an apartment building has to install an antenna and terrible things start happening. It's a science fiction film. And it had some great ideas in it, some wonderful visual flourishes. I think there's a lot of talent in there, but boy, oh boy, what did it not come together. It was just really not cohesive. Um, the pacing was off. It, it was kind of a mess, but I would be interested in seeing uh, what the filmmaker does in the future. That trailer is fucking amazing for that movie. Yeah, no, it, it's what it's frustrating because you're like, oh, I you you're on to something here. It's just you didn't bake it all the way. I need a little more time in the oven. Um, and then I saw the vast of night, which I I was going to bring up when we were talking about Netflix, but I guess Amazon acquired it. And that was a big crowd pleaser. Um, that was like. A throwback is set in New Mexico, which I'm a sucker for. And a, a little bit of touches of like early Spielberg, but it was, yeah. it was basically, um, did you see it? Yeah, um, I saw That's the Night about a year ago, yeah. Okay, what'd you think? I, I love the movie. I think it's... Yeah, really it's in your wheelhouse with UFOs. Um, but yeah, it was cool to see like... Um, research <laughs> done in an interesting way like shown as being exciting and just like kind people trying to figure something out but super well done and not boring i i loved it yeah it's incredibly well shot and well edited and that's oh it's first, beautiful first yeah. time filmmaker too it's insane i know that makes me so angry <laughs> so talented right out the gate and then i saw the New uh, Richard Stanley, Color Out of Space. That's one of the big ones I was excited about. Most people were excited about because it's been so long. And with Mandy, Nick Cage's hot in genre movies right now. Um, I knew based on the HP Lovecraft story it's based on, it was going to be messy, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Um, so I think with um, he Stanley. I really like him as a filmmaker. Um, but I, I also, I'm aware of his weaknesses. Um, and I find them interesting. I think he just has a very chaotic mind. I feel like he has a billion ideas every minute. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed Color Off Space. If you are even a little bit interested in it, I really think you should go out and see it but um boy it it's a jumble it's definitely a jumble um but i did think it, it was one of the best portrayals of the crazy cosmic shit hp lovecraft writes about uh actually portrayed on screen and that's not easy to do the guy could not write characters or dialogue but he could definitely come up with gigantic planet fucking things. So, you know, that that's tough for like a filmmaker to balance. Yeah. 
Um, and I saw Ship of Monsters and Lyle and the McPherson tape. And then strong, strong, strong there. And then we summon the darkness. Ooh. Right. So I'll pull you in for this one because in our group text, you pretty much summed up what I thought, which was like, okay, you have like satanic panic, heavy metal, um, like just really cute rocker girls going on a road trip and murder mayhem, supposedly comedy. And it's so boring. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many cool elements to it. And I don't understand how it's so boring. Like it literally has a little bit of everything. Yeah. Maybe it's just like mixing chocolate cake with like, I don't know, lobster bisque. They're great separately, but if you jam them together artlessly, you don't want anything to do with it. That's, I will that's say, what it felt like. It was like, oh, people <laughs> like this. People like heavy metal. People like cults. People like hot chicks. Like what? Like all this other shit. And it's just like, wow, you just totally made like this bro movie. Yeah, like nothing felt like they committed to it at all it just felt like they're kind of going off a list and just checking things right yeah and it's hard to believe that is by the director of my friend Dahmer because that's such a well-made movie and it's so like my friend Dahmer's really fucking good I mean it's it's so well structured it's well edited like it's a really fucking good movie and then his next movie is this generic dumped VOD which it will uh, quote unquote horror film yeah except uh, who's the da- actress uh, Alexandria Dadadari she's wonderful she's always good but she's always stuck in these dumb fucking movies no yeah though she was great in True, de- true Detective um, no I, I did want to point her out um, as much as the movie commits to nothing, she fucking fully committed to the mania and the comedy. Oh, yeah. And she's she was so at good. least having fun. Yeah, she was great. You could just ice someone on YouTube down the line, just isolate all her scenes and that'll be a fun clip show. Yeah, that's no, pretty much yeah, she, she brings it. She's really good. <laughs> and um, I always and the other guy that's super under, underutilized in the movie is the 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 one guy that gets hurt. I can't remember his name now, but he's so good in all the all the movies he's in. And I can't I'm looking it up so I get his name right. Um, Logan Miller, he played Kovacs. Yeah, I think he was, too. Who was the the blonde actress who was also kind of manic? Who? Oh, in um, that was. uh um uh hassel hassel maddie hassel maddie something like she was great too yeah she played um she played uh val in the yeah and like such a cool names too like they all had like really cool names and johnny knoxville's (laughs) in it and they just like (laughs) right but um yeah logan miller he uh he he's in so many good movies He's in that new movie called Prey. Um, he was in Escape Room, which he was great. He's in Love, Simon, which he was excellent in. He's in, oh, The Good Neighbor. That was the one movie I really, really liked him in. Have you seen The Good Neighbor? Mm-mm. It's so good. James Caan, 
uh, is in it. They yeah. basically uh, have this grumpy old neighbor next door, and they uh, basically set up cameras in his house and make him feel like he's going through a real-life haunting. Oh, my God. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it, it was it was called something else when it played at festivals and then got rebranded as The Neighbor, and or The Good Neighbor, and then got basically dumped on VOD, and it's really fucking good. Um, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, so James Caan's in it. He's excellent. But they rig his, they break, basically break in and rig his house as far as like he is going to go crazy. They're going to record because he's so, he's an asshole. So they actually record everything inside of him um, basically being haunted. But there's a secret that's happening as well that they don't know about. And it's really, really fucking good. Damn. Yeah. And don't breathe is the one I saw. Ugh. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, it was, what was the, what was the name of this movie before it played at, um, uh, the waiting. That's what it was. That's a bad name. Um, but yeah, it was called the waiting and it premiered at South by, and it was one of these midnight movies and it played and just brought the house down. And I was All right. Like, I'll look it up. I was like, but we're off topic, Brad. We're off like, topic. This fucking movie is going to be a fucking banger. And then it just got dumped. And I'm like, shit. The same thing is going to happen with that other movie with Julianne Moore that we saw at South by that's really fucking good. That horror film, or not Julianne Moore, uh, Helen Hunt. Um, uh, did you see that movie at South by? I don't know. On a blank. See, these movies, <laughs> like these movies, are so fucking good, and then you basically never hear of them again. Um, yeah, is that part of the heartbreak? You're like, wow, because a film festival, it's kind of its own community. It seems like people can't shut up about this movie; it's going to blow up. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, it's like, oh yeah, what happened to that? Yeah, it's called I See You. Helen Hunt's in it, and it's a genre mashup movie. And yeah, I didn't see. And it's really, I did really not cute. see you. So cute. Um, <laughs> is that all you saw? No. Okay, and then I saw the oh. platform. Oh. Uh, which you touched on. I've I loved it. Um, people keep saying Snowpiercer. Fair. Trust me, if you've seen Snowpiercer, you still have not seen the platform. Uh, that that one, I think affected me emotionally well no not emotionally but like i was so tense during that movie that was just a depressing blast i've never put those two words together but i've never had so much fun just being devastated before yeah i think it's i think people are relating it to snowpiercer because of the huge social commentary behind it right right yeah but it's not snowpiercer no it's just it literally is about want need and giving really. Uh, and then I saw She Mob, and then I saw Synchronic, which I was incredibly excited about because I'm a big Benson and Moorhead fan, and I loved it. I don't think it's my favorite of theirs, um, but I it's it's kind of it's a time travel movie. I think it takes a really interesting take on it. What I love about their films is they take the time to be emotional 
and build characters and build very strong character relationships before you get into any kind of genre fair. Um, and so they make these really strong relationships. So by the time things do get insane, you're fully in. And Synchronic is no different. I really loved it. And I thought it was really moving. Um, did you see it? No, I did not see that one. I think it's going to get dads pretty hard. I think it's going to be like dads getting a single tear down their cheek kind of movie. Mm. Speaking right. of, and I saw Come to Daddy, which I think I'm the only person who didn't like it. Uh, and I no. went in. Uh, you're, you're not alone. Well, okay, cool. I, get, I don't know. I just. Everyone I've talked to like was like, oh, so fun. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch an Elijah Wood movie at Fantastic Fest. I'm legit, man. I, I'm here. Um, yeah, it, it's just Elijah Wood uh, arrives to me as a strange father, but things aren't how they seem. And it just turns into like a gross out, violent, com- comedic thing. And there are funny moments. Uh, and a lot of violence was great and affecting but i don't know it just felt like it was jogging a little too quickly through everything so like nothing made an impact on me and once it was over i was like okay i felt like it just kind of floated right over my head yeah i mean i saw i think at midnight and i i enjoyed it it was one of those things where it was uh, it was relatively kind of boring um yeah like the introduction of him and his dad i'm like man I was like, I hope this gets weird soon. And then when that turning point happens, I was like, wait, there's like another hour of this movie. What the fuck are they going to (laughs) do? And then it was like, just it kept going and going. And then it ends up. And it's like, if you told me that this is where the movie would have ended up, like I wouldn't have believed you. Like that's such a crazy like kind of leap. But it was, it was, I liked it. It was what I expected from Ant Tipson, but it wasn't as... I I didn't really find it all that gross and weird, like uh, most of Ant's ideas and stuff he produced. It seemed a little tame. I was expecting it to be weird, and I think that's why I was let down a little bit. The characters are weird, but as far as like being like gross, eh, I didn't really get that all that much. The poop thing. He like stabbed him and got it in his bloodstream. Mm, yeah, I don't. Eh. All Fantastic right, you're weirdo, Brad. I've seen weirder <laughs> shit at Fantastic Fest. I saw the Greasy Strangler at fucking South by. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. That was South by. Okay, and then I saw uh, Vivarium, which it's kind of opposite to Come to Daddy for me. Everyone seems to say like, "Oh, it's like a boring Twilight Zone episode." And it's one of those things where I really enjoyed it, but I can absolutely see where people are coming from with it's that. It's a boring, boring, really, really boring Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode. Okay, fair enough. With I great actors and really fucking funny moments, but it doesn't hold. Yeah, like I, I did think it dragged on in a few bits, but in a way, it has. It's very slowly paced. These people get this young couple gets pulled into a literal suburban hell 
um, with like very tenuous rules they kind of have to follow and there's no escape. Um, but I, I felt like the pacing, it lulled me into the headspace the film wanted me to be in. And I felt a numbness that to me wasn't from boredom, but was almost just empathizing with the characters. And I, I do love Jesse Eisenberg with Emma Jean Poots from The Art of Self-Defense. I think they have such an unusual chemistry because their energies are so different, but they work perfectly together. So for me, it, it was a lot of fun seeing them together again. Um, so yeah, it's one I would recommend uh, carefully because I do seem to be in the minority of how much I liked it. Yeah, once, um, because basically the reveal of what they're in happens pretty much like, what, 15 minutes into the movie. And when they're driving around and they can't get out, I'm like, I let out an audible like, fuck, this is what this movie's going to be. And I was, I was fucking right. It was like, it never did anything for me. Like, I could have told you that whole entire, I could have told you beat for beat how that movie is going to end up. Like, even, okay. even plot thing, it was like, <laughs> this is probably going to happen next. Sure if shit, if it didn't. I was like, this is how it's going to end, probably. Boom, it did. And I was like, good lord. Like, it's just really, really, really generic um, for me. So, sorry to rain on your parade on your Fantastic <sighs> Fest movie. But you can, move moving first along. In the Shadow <laughs> of the Moon... I saw a Netflix movie, uh, another time travel. Um, this was another one where I thought it looked beautiful. It had some great performances and cool ideas, uh, but it didn't work for me. Um, it's super it, generic. Yeah, very generic. <laughs> the lead actor, I feel like he wasn't very compelling. He definitely didn't sell the aging process. God, it's like, so bad. I was like, wait a second. Like, it's like, what is every nine years, right? So, yeah. like, like after like nine years, I'm like, wait, he still looks the same. And then it was another nine years, and it's like, bro, you still look the same. But then, then another nine years, they glued a caveman beard to and him. And then it was so. like that the hair, that wig, and that fucking beard looks <laughs> so bad. But he, they didn't like put any makeup on his face. And it was just yeah, like, and he was—he's kind of a bland, pretty actor, so he's, he's not he's, putting anything he's behind. Like literally, it. the poor, poor, poor man's Tom Hardy. <laughs> so, so basically, it goes like this: it's it's Tom Hardy, all right. Then it's uh, Logan Marshall Green, who's fucking great, by the way. And he's then, so and then it goes to. Um, uh uh um shit what's his name um uh joe joel kinnaman joel kinnaman and then it goes to this boyd guy whatever his name is brian boyd or whatever he's like it's 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 like they cloned tom hardy and he just gets dumber each time it's like multiplicity with michael keaton I did not get a Tom Hardy vibe, but okay. No, it's 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 kind of like uh like uh like Patrick Wilson. It's like no, who's the guy from Avatar, Sam? 
Um, oh my God, Sam Worthington's in there too. Yeah, it's kind of like Sam Worthington. Holy shit, no, so it goes Tom Hardy, <laughs> Logan Marshall Green, Sam Worthington, Joel Kinnaman, <laughs> then whatever this guy's name is, Boyd something, Brian Boyd or whatever. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, um, I have the same thing with like Matthew McConaughey. It's like Matthew McConaughey and then uh, Patrick Wilson, and then um, uh, Josh Lucas, and then uh, Josh when, Lucas, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, Josh Lucas, and then Cole Hauser. Damn, you can weird cloning factor. Yeah, I don't know why they a, keep doing that. Yeah, they, they <laughs> like it's like multiplicity. They just get weirder and dumber, and they're just not good. Like he's like literally he ruined the Predator because he can't act. Oh, you know, but Joel Kinnaman can't either. Like, you literally need to get Logan Marshall Green or Tom Hardy for each one of these roles. Yeah, so I don't know. In the Shadow of the Moon, it didn't work for me, though. It wasn't like out and out irredeemably terrible. I just think it was miscast. Yeah, maybe two more drafts of the script. They should have put Michael minutes. Hall in that role because Michael Hall was fucking great. Yeah, yeah. And he actually aged properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. And then I I saw the second secret screening, which turned out to be The Lighthouse, which was just at TIFF. And that one I was mildly interested in. But what I was suspicious of turned out being true, which was like, ah, an aesthetic film, which is like, okay, it's a uh, seafaring black and white um we're gonna use very old-timey language and it'll be kind of funny but then you'll also buy into it because it's really authentic and it's just i don't know it if you've seen older movies and if you've read any books you kind of it's it's just tired i was tired uh the lighthouse it it looks great willem dafoe as always completely brings it but i feel like he's wasted here it just did not do anything for me i think it's a great meme movie but that's about it for me it was um once i found out that's what it was i uh turned in my ticket yeah i remember that i was like i want to see lighthouse (laughs) i have nothing against it i think eggers is great if that's how you say his last name um but it was something I knew it was going to be quiet. I knew kind of how it was. I know how that movie's going to play out, just kind of like how you are. And it was something I didn't want to see at Fantastic Fest because those, like, here's also the thing because I'm I, I'm not biased when it comes to Fantastic Fest or festival movies. I get the idea of how people perceive stuff, things, and people need to kind of fucking calm down when it comes because they get this festival bug. And it's like everything they see as a festival is the best movie they've ever seen. And also yeah. anything they anticipate won't be bad to them. They'll like make it good in quiet movies like that. Audience react way too much for me to enjoy it. I've actually walked out of Fantastic Fest movies because of how the audience reacts. Wow. Yeah, just because I... I I'm actually against the audience type thing. Like, I don't want an audience... like. An audience can, the movie's already enjoyable, but it can be even more enjoyable with the audience, but I don't think an audience makes a movie good. 
like I just think it can kind of heighten that awesomeness to it. Like, yeah, no, I agree. So it's- I it's but it's also one of those things where not for this, not pertaining to the lighthouse, but how the audience reacts to that. Like people were really excited it was the lighthouse. And in your screening, you can prove me wrong right now, is that was there a lot of cheering and clapping and, you know, shit like that? No, you know what? It's kind of funny because uh, I knew there were a lot of people excited for that wine to see it. But such a dour movie that you could hear a pin drop. It just, I think a giant crowd like that, it actually hurt the film quite a bit. Because some of these films, like Tammy and the T-Rex, it, the more the merrier. So yeah, the, the Lighthouse is one of those movies that I think a giant crowd actually heard it. Because it, it was a quiet film, for the most part. Yeah. I'm glad I passed on it. I'll watch. I definitely want to see it, but I'll just watch it later. But then, very different from that, I saw Jalakatu, um, which was an Indian film after it, which I was really excited about. um, About like a wild buffalo tearing through a small community. It was a very different film than what I was expecting, but I loved it. It was it was like super naturalistic filmmaking, uh, basically just running through the streets the entire time and seeing how people react uh, to basically nature fucking with everything. And but the the ending went kind of bonkers, which is really cool. That one had a great energy for a crowd. That yeah, and it had that wonderful cinematography. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, there's like those Lush. shots of like all those people coming down with torches off the hill. <laughs> yeah. And then when they surround like the hole where the buffalo is, like it just looks so good. But I also just like the chaos that ensued once like in the masculinity behind of like, I'm going to catch this thing. And then what turns out to be like, one guy chasing the buffalo turns out to be like fucking hundreds. And it just, it gets so fucking crazy. And honestly, when it ended, I was like, that's it. Like I want more of that. And then it just like, cause it, it actually built up to this just explosion and it was so good. So I really enjoyed it too. I wish I would have saw it with the audience. Yeah, the the mob mentality, how it's portrayed in that movie was amazing. Um, And then I saw another Netflix joint, Dolomite is My Name, uh, which was just so fun. It's so well made. It's it's nothing new when it comes to biopics. Um, You know, it plays out pretty much like how they all do. Um, But it's fun. And I don't think it's syrupy sweet or anything. It's just great performances and uh, just like a celebration of creation. And it was cool seeing Eddie Murphy commit to her role again. Yeah. And then I saw The Deeper You Dig, which seemed like a very specific to Fantastic Fest film to me, where it's this family they make these like micro budget movies together. And this was about a woman uh, who loses her daughter 
but the woman has kind of psychic abilities and she's very close to the killer. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, there's, it's a small budget to family making it. It's, there are clunky things to be sure, but it had such a cool vibe to it and some really great moments. Um, it lost its footing a couple times it relied on CGI that it really shouldn't have when it was relying more on interesting editing tricks. It was very effective and I wish they was stuck to that more than CGI. Um, but I was really glad I saw it. It was really cool to see something really small and chilly like that. It was very atmospheric. Yeah. I didn't like that movie at all. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I honestly, I can't even think like I do like the family aspect. I think that's sweet, but um, maybe watch that in the comfort of your own home after you make it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and next is one of my favorites, The Death of Dick Long. Yes. Which um, I personally, uh, I wasn't going in super excited for. I wasn't even sure if I saw it. But I saw the second screening because uh, people couldn't stop talking about it. So I was like, oh, okay. And I, I really like Swiss Army Men. So uh, I'm so glad because, you know, on paper, there's like bestiality and it has a funny title. and But it's like this incredibly, it's almost played like um, Gone Baby Gone. When it comes to like the seriousness of parenting and relationships and how it looks like like socioeconomics and um, but it's really funny, too. And it, it's a fun movie, but it has so much heart and it, it's rare to see a balance like that. Um, it was great. Like it's just great filmmaking, great writing. Um, fantastic. I, I said it again, uh, but really wonderful acting that that one was perfectly cast. Yeah, I um, that was probably my favorite film of Fantastic Fest. And um, I loved it because it's so funny on the content, but it's played 100 percent straight. <laughs> yeah. And even when you're laughing at the movie, it's being like it's being serious as it's going along um which honestly i i really am kind of new to um you know with, with a film with a i mean really this movie's a drama when you break it yeah. down it really oh, yeah. is just a full on drama but what's happening is funny to us but probably not in that community in real life and there's uh there's a part in the film where I even started tearing up because it was hitting uh, close to home as far as the family aspect, mm -hmm. you know? And it was just like, man, this, like, this shit's fucking funny, but it's also really fucking sad. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, and, and the acting is, is perfect. And I also, I love, love, love the decision that they made, uh, spoiler free, as far as, Earl, uh, the guy that plays Earl, steals the uh -huh. show. Oh, He's my God. fucking hilarious. He, no, he felt like a real dude who just wandered on a set. And they're yeah. like, okay, just be yourself. 
and <laughs> it, it was like beyond acting. But there's such incredible. a good choice of cutting him out of the movie for a good portion to mm-hmm, really focus mm-hmm. on the main character. So that way he wasn't stealing the show anymore. And, and then when he just, comes back, you're like, Earl, yeah, how you when been? He comes, it's like watching a <laughs> sequel because he like comes back and it honestly, that ending of the movie is so fucking good. I loved it. Oh, you know what? It's it's sincere absurdity. Yeah. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. No, nah, it, it, they just did everything right. And saw Limbo and Trampa Infernal. Uh, oh, Sweetheart. So, oh, so good. I am a sucker for deserted island stories and lost at sea stories. I actually, when I can't sleep, I imagine myself on a piece of driftwood in the middle of the ocean and just the lapping of the ocean is like the only sensation or that I'm shipwrecked and I just washed ashore of an island, which doesn't seem like it'd be relaxing, but I'm a weirdo. I don't know. It's just what I like to focus on if I can't sleep. So whenever there's stories like that, I'm like, I'm very interested in this. And that's what this is. It's a very simple story. A young woman washes ashore on a supposedly deserted island. Um, and that I don't know how much I want to reveal. Because I, I think some of it's in the press about it. But um, I mean, it's a monster movie. Okay, yeah. yeah. But it's it's not like anything I've experienced. There's like a little bit of kaiju in there, but you know, it's not like an episode of lost or anything like that. It's just done so well. And I, I loved how she was smart and resourceful, but she didn't automatically turn into like a, like a survivor expert or something. It was like a real intelligent person figuring out, uh, how to live and um, it's a very simple but incredibly well done film. Yeah, um, it's a horror version it. of it's a horror movie. It's Castaway, but with a monster. Uh, yeah, and you know what? But like, what half the runtime? Yeah, it's a quick, it's a quick <laughs> eight minutes, and like the lead. Sorry, but the lead is absolutely outstanding. She's so. Oh, I loved good. her. And Again, they're very naturalistic acting in this film festival, and it worked and, really well. And, and incredibly like smart about how they um, basically unfold everything. And I also like how nothing got out of hand. Like you mm-hmm. said, like everything is well contained. Even though like the shit becomes like predator towards the end, it was completely <laughs> like one hundred percent believable. And also. Probably one of the best monster reveals. Okay, thank you. I gasped. That was done. When oh, that, that monster was reveal happens, I'm like, oh it's my it. god. Fucking <laughs> like shot of f- fucking Fantastic Fest. Fra- <laughs> screenshot that, blow it up, put it in a frame. Wonderful, wonderful monster reveal. Like, literally, yeah, was I was great. like, oh fucking <laughs> shit. You got to be fucking kidding me. No, like your heart leaps into your throat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking good. So glad and, I saw that. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a sleeper hit. Like, people I agree are going to slowly you, discover that. Because I honestly, I think that's going to be one of those things that's just kind of dumped on VOD. But that mm-hmm. movie, if a, tra- a good trailer was cut, 
that could be in theaters for sure. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. Just yeah. uh, the gore cut. Um, and it, it was really interesting seeing it with a giant audience and that theater was packed because um, I think I've talked about this before, but back when I was younger and I had Cinemax, uh, that's how I saw a lot of my first horror movies. And they would, Cinemax seemed to show Tammy and the T-Rex a lot. And while it's not a straight horror movie, it was kind of a bridge to me being obsessed with Jurassic Park and then seeing some weird stuff that was a little more adult than I was used to seeing. And I haven't seen the movie since, like, puberty. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> um, I, you know, I now that I'm old, I caught all the jokes I was too young to understand back then. And, like, I, I literally think I was sitting next to, like, a 19-year-old who probably had never heard of the movie before. And he was losing his shit. So, um, yeah, if, if you've actually seen this movie before, definitely see this cut. And if you've never seen it before, uh, it, it's such a stupid, weird movie. You can't miss it. Yeah, it's um, and I'm one of those people that I believe that the film kind of is still fun, standing alone without the gore. Like it, I, I could see that. I mean, it's Terry Kaiser. Yeah, it is. And one of the guys who's one of his bodyguards, a mannequin too. <laughs> so like it, it, it plays like the the gore stuff is fun. There's like literally ten minutes of like extra shit with gore and uh, cursing and stuff like that, but. That adds a little bit to the movie, but still the film itself, like people were laughing hysterically at the normal movie. Oh, yeah, it's very goofy. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's it really is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so much fun because you have Paul Walker who can't do Who's anything on screen. Baby in it. He's like <laughs> Paul fun. Walker turned out to be a really great. I loved I loved his work. I, I think Joyride is still one of the best thrillers of like 2000s. Um, he's fantastic. He's so charismatic. He's so lovable. Like even in Fast and the Furious, just that line when after Dom beats him in the race, he goes, I almost had you. And he's like smiling. It's just like, he's incredibly (laughs) charming, just like amazing. Um, but he can't fucking act in this. He's so fucking bad. Uh, but it, it adds all the charm to it. You have Denise Richards, who watched way too many soap operas, who's doing this melodrama acting that doesn't fit in the movie. Terry Kaiser's just having fun. He said, fuck it. I'm getting paid. I'm just going to have some fun. And like, just and then you have the guy that plays Billy, who's just in a different movie, who's being way too mean for the movie. It's like, wait, this is a family movie. No, Billy's in it. And it just gets it gets so fucking it, like just the nut grabbing scene alone. It happens oh in the first five minutes of the movie, and that sets the tone the for off. what you're going to see. Yeah, the nut off, and like it's it's just it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's it's so much fun, and it's playing so so well with crowds, and um, I'm happy for it. So yeah, and that that new artwork you guys have for it, I. I'm not a bit I love posters but I don't really collect them or display them very much but that I kind of want a gigantic poster of yeah um we're I I believe that's in the works um but uh, yeah Thomas Hodge really knocked it out of the park with that artwork yeah it really captures the bonkers spirit of that movie 
Yeah. Um, okay, and then I saw Coco di Coco da, which is kind of a fable movie. It's uh, kind of like a, a childhood fable, uh, but in a horror thing. And I didn't really like it. Um, it's darkly whimsical. It's really selling like the dark fairy tale thing. And it, it does have some very creepy moments. Um, but overall, they just didn't sell it enough. Like, it, I, in my opinion, if you're going to bring in fairy tale moments into something, especially when the rest of the film is grounded, you have to go all the way. Like, you have to, like, yank the audience into, like, a storybook, basically. And this one, it just kind of felt like, it kind of lightly tapped you on the shoulder with it. So I didn't really buy into it, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then I saw Parasite with you. Yes. You know what? One of the most giant hyped movies of the festival. Uh, we loved it, right? I I loved Parasite. I I loved not knowing what I was going to watch. Same. Yeah. I think the I second think, people said, "Don't watch the trailer. Don't get spoiled." I was like, "Okay, okay, I won't. I won't." But the thing is, I watched the trailer and I had no idea what the watch because I was like, "No, I did watch the trailer before I saw the warnings." I'm like, "Oh well, I don't know what's going on, so that's okay." Yeah, it was like <laughs> I, I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, "Oh, okay." It's kind of funny when he says, "Like we'll get the you know fumigation pest control for free." Ha ha ha! And it's like, "Oh, they're conning people," and then the music changes and I'm like, what is this a fucking horror movie? Like what the fuck am I watching? (laughs) And honestly, that's how the tone of the movie is. I'm not going to say exactly what's happening, but the movie is brutal. It's hilarious. It's just everything. It is. Yeah. And I, I was kind of wondering like how horror it would get, um, or if it would somehow become paranormal or something. Um, and is actually more grounded than I thought it would be, even though it it definitely uh, goes full tilt, (laughs) for sure. Um, It's about family. And and when I say it's about family, not in like a generic sweeping way, but like what it's like when you see your dad being humiliated or what happens when you you can't even afford a full meal and like everyone has to eat junk food and and not every family has experience but a lot of families have where you hit a point uh economically where you on a daily basis see each other humiliated and that's such a devastating feeling and i've never seen it portrayed in a film better than i have in parasite um and that informs the rest of the plot. Uh, and that really stuck with me. Yeah. No, I um, I dug it uh, a lot. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, well, you and then of... I... Whoa. I clo- oh, wait, you closed it out. That's right. I closed it out with Knives Out. Hey. Uh, yeah, the new Ryan Johnson. A big, splashy, giant cast. You got... You have um, everybody in it. Um, yeah, and it was fun. I didn't fall in love with it quite as much as a lot of people seem to. 
Um, I don't know if I'm ruined because I actually, I read a lot of mystery novels. Uh, so to me, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is pretty much what they're like. Um, but yeah, it's a fun cast. Um, great acting. It looks beautiful. Uh, but it's not quite as grandiose as the trailer makes it seem to be. At the end of the day, it's a pretty basic um, what happened, how kind of movie. It's not even fully a whodunit because they reveal a lot. You're just not sure about every single part of the machination. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, it's a fun movie. It, you know, if you miss in the theaters, don't beat yourself up. It, it's actually like a really solid one to stream, I would say. Uh, but it, it was fun. It, it was fun. But actually, I think it if Parasite was the last one I saw, that would have been like the big wallop of the festival for me. You say wallop? I said wallop. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, that was another thing that uh, was like people were... Um, kind of talking about like behind the scenes like oh you know this uh you know this this movie is playing uh this this big big movie is playing uh at the end of um you know fantastic fest it was like ryan johnson like brick played at austin film festival uh fucking brothers bloom and luber played a fantastic fest like give it a fucking break. Like this is one of his homes here. That's the reason why yeah. Knives Out's playing. But anyways, um, cool. Um, I will. You took way too long, so I don't have much time. You oh, I'm sorry. You weren't speedy at all. Um, what? I'm kidding. It's just a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, uh, I'm gonna go through the things that I saw that Steph so did terrible not. now. I'm kidding. Um, so I saw After Midnight, which is also was known as Something Else, which is the Jeremy Gardner Christian Stella flick, uh, stars Bria Grant and has, uh, I guess, Justin Benson in it. Yeah, that guy. Uh, they co-produced it with uh, with the guys that filmed in Florida, actually. I'm a little biased when it comes to these guys because they're buddies of mine, um, but I'm also uh, critical of my friends and will tell them when something isn't that good. Uh, however, I didn't get to say that for this movie because I told him how much I enjoyed it because it really is great. Um, it really is a love story with a monster in the background. So, uh, long story short, uh, he is broken up from his girlfriend from a long time because he has a fear of commitment. And when she leaves, there is a monster that starts to attack his house. So, uh, in the daytime, he daydreams and falls asleep. Um, so he can stay awake all night because the monster is hunting him. Um, he daydreams and thinks about her. So it's all flashbacks to when the best times of their life to the start to how it all boiled down to when they broke up. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really, really sweet. It's really well written. Um, Bria's all, always great. And, um, and then it's incredibly well shot. Christian Stella is a fantastic cinematographer. Um, beautiful nighttime shots. And uh, basically it leads up to them talking again and then dealing with this monster on the side. Uh, it's very, very funny. It literally has... Um, the movie's good. The movie's okay. But the third act fucking sells this movie so fucking hard. It's ridiculous. 
Like Damn. the third act is literally one of the best third acts I've seen in a long time. It completely changes the movie. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, this movie's okay. And then like that third act happens and then the movie just becomes completely awesome. Because now each time you watch it, you're waiting for that, you know, finale. And it's really, really good, done on a tight budget. Um, wonderful movie. That um, sounds cool as well. Yeah, uh, I I loved it. Uh, next up was another f- film that I really loved with uh, Joe uh, Begas's Bliss. Um, this is kind of his return. He had two movies there, so I'll just do both um, because I did it as a double feature. With uh, VFW was the first film that played, then they followed up with a midnight screening of Bliss that was screened on uh, from thirty five millimeter print. Um, so Joe Begas started off at Fantastic Fest with his film Almost Human, which is very much of an homage to a thing with John Carpenter. And then he followed up with uh, I Loved Almost Human. Then he followed up with I Didn't Really Care for the Mind's Eye, which is more or less Scanners, a telekinesis whore. It's like the like like Scanners yeah, 4, yeah. basically. Um, and I didn't really care for that. But I was really excited to see that he's back because he's got two movies and really, they are just fucking wonderful. Two completely different styles. I know. heard mixed things on VFW, but everyone seems to love Bliss. Yeah, Bliss is like uh, like a, a a drug-fueled Abel Ferreira uh, vampire nightmare movie. Holy um, shit, okay. So it's it's really, really well done. It's, it's, uh, it's a really uh, great story as far as like... Um, apparently Joe went through some shit, um, and he's very open about it. And basically bliss is his, uh, kind of downward spiral as far as like what happened to him in real life. He transcends to on screen of this girl as an artist that is, becomes a vampire and needs blood in order to even continue, uh, very much with kind of, I guess with drugs as far as like that is concerned, of what the troublesome. So it was very, a personal movie for him because it was basically, I guess his life for a very short time. Um, it's really great. It's bloody as shit. Um, shot on uh, 16 millimeter. Um, it gets really fucking brutal. It's wonderful camera work. It's loud as fuck. Uh, it's mixed beautifully. And then he also had VFW, which was more of, kind of what almost human was like, but very throwbackish John Carpenter Solomon Precinct 13 type vibe, uh, synth score by Steve Moore, which he actually scored bliss and, um, uh, VFW has an all-star cast, fucking David Patrick Kelly, uh, William Sadler, uh, fucking Martin Cove, uh, the dude from Shears, um, <laughs> I can't think of his name now, <laughs> Georgia uh, went, yeah, George went, uh, uh, fucking Martin Cove, um, just has this great fucking Fred William. Did I say Fred Williamson? Anyways, if I did, he deserves to be called. He's worth twice. Name, yeah. Name twice. <laughs> so it's basically, uh, oh, and, uh, um, uh, Stephen Lang. <laughs> uh, so it's just this entourage of fucking badasses. They, uh, have a bar that Stephen Lang owns. It's kind of like this almost like dystopian type, 
uh, setting to. There's this drug on the streets that basically has changed America. Like America's falling apart. But there's this little headquarters, little bar area, VFW, uh, or a VFW place that uh, Stephen Lang just has his old war buddies that come in, trade stories, talk about, you know, women, that type of thing. They are all there drinking, and then they're on the side at this abandoned movie theater uh, where these drug lords kind of stay. There's a girl that steals some drugs, and she runs uh, from them and hides out in the bar. And these drug-fueled fuckers basically uh, are going to be rewarded drugs if they go in and kill her. So you have just this onslaught of junkies that are trying to get into the bar with these old vets. So it's very much like Assault on Precinct 13 kind of meets this from Dust Till Dawn vibe. Um, and it's bloody. It's awesome. It's such a crowd pleaser. It's such a good movie to watch with the crowd. It doesn't let up. It's like 80 minutes of the fastest paced shit ever. There's no, like, waiting around. It literally dives right in. Um, it was really great because during the Q&A, they've really said that they had a script. But uh, since they're all veteran actors, they just kind of let them do what they want. And it was really great because mm. they said they would do a take and it would be really, really good. But they needed to get, like, another shot or maybe something else. Maybe something didn't really fit as far as whatever is in the background. So they would say, do it again. And they're like, we can't, we made all that up. You know, we have no idea what we just said. Like it was just literally banter between them. So it was just probably like hours mm -hmm. and hours of B roll of just them bitching at one another. And it really flows very well. You can tell that everybody was having a really good time because that dialogue is flawless. Like it's really fucking funny. And then it just gets insane. Um, Damn. I got to see these. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's it's really good. Joe Joe Vegas is definitely back. Like he's got two killer ass movies. Um, next up was uh, Blood Machines, which is Carpenter Burt's sequel to Turbo, Turbo Killer. Um, I like his I like his music a lot. I like his music videos quite a bit. Uh, Blood Machines is very much. It looks fantastic. It sounds amazing. It's just really boring. Oh, that's so, and, and it, it really is just a music video, and it takes way too long. Um, great visuals, though. Wonderful visuals. Those guys need to, whoever did that, needs to make a movie. Because if they can make that type of thing on that small-ass budget, I'd like to see that. Give them a few million dollars to see what they can do. Um, next up was Butt Boy which I knew was a big Fantastic Fest movie. It sounds like Fantastic Fest. Much like The Death of Dick Long, this movie's played completely straight with an absurd plot. So it's basically this guy who has a normal and boring life. And um, he has a uh, prostate exam one, one day um, because he doesn't go to the doctor, and it's his first prostate exam because he's in his 30s. And so the doctor puts, uh, you know, basically his fingers in his ass. And he realizes that this is a revelation for him. He loves it. So he tries to get his wife to finger his ass when he's uh, having sex with her. Play completely straight, by the way. Like, there's no giggling. There's no uh, funny stuff. It's just literally that's what he wants. 
So he one day sees a remote. So he puts it up his ass. But what he doesn't know is that they get lost in his ass. So he starts off with smaller objects and to the point where he's putting uh, animals and uh, children up his ass. So play completely straight. All straight. So uh, he gets really depressed. So there's an incident that happens and years later he goes through therapy and then he starts back up again. So it becomes like a serial. He's a serial killer is what he's doing. But he just shoves people up his asshole. So it's basically this detective linking these two incidents together while the detective's in AA with him. So it's basically he doesn't know that he's tracking this guy. It's 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 actually a brilliant like idea. It's just literally instead of killing people and slaughtering them, he's shoving them up his asshole. Oh yeah, tales all this time. So, um, but it's not graphic. There, there's nothing like that. Like you're not seeing like people being shoved up an asshole. Uh, it's like literally he okay. looks at stuff and it's like, oh, that's what's happening. Are the sound effects graphic? No. They're like, Whoop. no, no. That's the thing. It's played completely straight. It's okay. just that he'll look. He'll look at something and eyeball it, and then the camera will focus on next that, and the next know. thing, it's gone. Like, so it's, it's literally, it's played completely straight. It's not laughable in that sense. It's just absurd. And it's really fucking good. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really good. Uh, Next up was the cleansing hour. Um, Nope. Uh, This, watch (laughs) the last exorcism instead. Uh, Because that's a decent movie. Um. Next up was uh, The Golden Glove. This movie's going to cause a lot of people a lot of being upset. Um, It's a uh, true story about a guy in um, uh, Germany who was a serial killer, who was an alcoholic. And it is his... uh, I, I enjoyed it because... It's literally an excerpt of this guy's life. There's no backstory. It's literally just a few days of him and him trying to rehabilitate himself from this death and destruction that he causes. See, that one, when I read about on the Fantastic Fest site, it felt like it was trying to talk me out of seeing the film. I would talk to you if they didn't. Oh, you saw it? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if you would like it. It's incredibly violent. And it's very, very, very mean. There are some scenes in this movie that I was like, fuck. Like, that's heavy. There's a strangulation scene that goes on for about five minutes. And I still don't know how they did it. See, I will say that it it didn't seem like a ton of people saw it. But those who did said... Wow, it was so affecting, uh, and I feel like it brutalized me. I don't know if I ever need to see it again, but damn, it definitely accomplished what it set out to do. Yeah, it's um, like I, I really like it because it's it's really just an excerpt of this serial killer's life. Um, but goddamn, it's mean. 
Like, all right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Fair brutal. enough. Yeah. Like it's, and it's really, and it's shot in such, such a way that it's very, uh, kind of voyeuristic at that sense. Like the, there's not a lot of cuts. It's literally like the camera's set back and you're watching him like bring a woman into his apartment, get them drunk and then beat them up. And there's like, you know, obviously like kind of like, obviously they're under the influence. So it is rape. But it's just like it just goes on and on, and it's really, really mm. tough. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next up was uh, Guns Akimbo. Oh, Jazzy. I was wondering what that was. I think she snorted. I really, I really wanted to see Guns Akimbo. Guns Akimbo is going to be a fucking powerhouse when it comes out. Fucking Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Samara Weaving, they are so good it is uh it's crank on crack is what this movie is you need to put that on the internet so they put down the poster <laughs> it, it really is crank on crack it is absolutely it's by the director of deathgasm um it is a futuristic world where games are played online as far as uh their i forget the name of the gaming thing that they have it starts with an S. So anyways, uh, you are set out and you have people that are watching where they will have a champion of surviving a slaughterhouse, basically, of people trying to kill you. You go after the other. So it's this big game and you have to go after them or the company will kill you. So Daniel Radcliffe plays a guy who is a content creator uh, for a gaming app called like Nutjob or something like that, where you're a squirrel trying to get acorns for your iPhone. One night he gets drunk and he logs into this system and he just starts hassling people that are watching this. Because it really is terrible. Like they're just killing innocent people and killing each other. Um, so he trash talks some moderators and then the next thing you know it, they show up um, and they're like, oh, okay, you're in the game now. And they literally bolt guns to his hands and he has uh 50 rounds in each hand um and they're like <laughs> like the chamber goes all the way up his forearms so he can't like open doors or shit like that easily oh, God. he's literally got two guns bolted to his hands and then samara weaving's character um is after him uh while he's also trying to save his girlfriend and it's just fucking chaos. It really is. It's so much gunfire, so much bloodshed. Um, it's 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 crank on crack for real. The soundtrack is fucking insane. There's so many needle drops. It's just it's complete fucking chaos, and it's so good. And I love Deathgasm. I need it. Okay. Yeah, and and Samara then- Weaving is insane. She plays a fucking cracked out bounty hunter. And she's crazy. It's You sold it, Brad. You sold it. So good. Uh, next up was Homewrecker, which I really like. This is kind of a mixed bag at uh, Fantastic Fest. It's um, uh, the the girl from Starry Eyes, Alexis, Alex, Alex, uh, Alex Cuso, Cuso, something like that. Um I really she, like that. She's right. a uh, interior designer, and she meets this woman at a coffee shop. And she's a little out there, 
Um, but she talks her back into going to her home to look at it to see if she could work out some stuff for interior design because she's lived there for so many years and it still looks like shit. Uh, so she goes and it is she traps her and it gets insane. Ooh. Um, but it's very comical. It's it's a very very funny movie, not played straight, uh, but wonderful acting. Um, I also heard that the basically it was it, there's this age difference too. Like the woman that plays, she's probably like in her forties, late forties, maybe early fifties. If that, I'm sorry if you're not. Um, but she she does look like she's older. And Alex S oh Alex Esso that's her name. Alex Esso is like you know looks like she's in her twenties. So there's big age difference. With the characters, but they also, I guess, co-wrote the script together, oh, which is really fun. And um, it just it's it's hilarious, and it gets it just gets really crazy. It very much reminded me of Catfight or LD Two K, or okay LD is it LD Two K or Two LDK? It's an old, uh, you know what I'm talking about? It's an old Japanese movie where two girls are living in an apartment and they start fighting one another. Um, yeah. But anyways, very much like that. Just just hilariousness. Um, Homewrecker. Um, we didn't talk about The Lodge. Oh, yeah. So um, I really like The Lodge. Uh, I love movies about... There, there, there's three things that I love. You Like, you like... Uh, uh, desert island and uh, ship uh, shipwreck people. Um, there's there's three things that I love: cults, Satan, um, religion, mixed. Oh, I guess grief too. You put cults and Satan together: grief and religion. Like I love all of that shit. That's my bread and butter. This movie has all three, and. I personally loved The Lodge quite a bit. Um, um, I, I'm a sucker for those things, too. Yeah, that's the movie I cried during it. Yeah. Um, if you have a religious background, it might get to some things for you. But yeah, just like. Um, I wasn't sure about it at first. I thought I was like, oh, it's going to be like one of those pretentious ones that they move too slowly and it doesn't really mean anything it's like no it's just taking its time like having ice grow under your skin like oh <laughs> yeah no I, I agree it's 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 really good um next up was the mortuary collection which is ryan spindle's feature so ryan spindle uh hit kind of the scene in 2000 I guess 15 with a short that played basically at every film festival uh, called The Babysitter Murders. It is literally one of the best shorts I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so fucking good. Anyways, he made a feature film, uh, basically a uh, kind of anthology where this uh, girl goes to a mortuary for a job, um, but the uh, caretaker owner wants to tell her about what she'll see so he goes into detail about certain people that are, have died and came there their backstories so each time he tells a story it's an anthology um however it wraps up with his short from 2015 which i thought was eh, 
like I get it. You made such an awesome short. You want everybody to see it. Um, but also it's uh, he edited it around it to make it different a little bit because like when you watch a short, you have the opening, you have the middle and you have the credits and the middle and the ending are fiddled with a little bit, which kind of takes the fun out of a certain aspect of the short. Uh, mm. It's kind of taken out. So I, I didn't really care for that. And I also thought the other stories that he had just weren't very good. Um, too bad. So it's a little, little bit of a bummer. Um, and it's also like two hours long. So it's like, eh. but uh, uh, Clancy Brown plays the caretaker and he's fucking great. Uh, he's always great. So don't watch the short and watch the movie because then if you watch the short, it gives away what's happening in the movie too. So I kind of knew what was going to happen and that kind of ruined it as well. So, um, yeah, I just wasn't pleased with it. Uh, other one was uh, nail in the coffin, which is a documentary about the wrestler Vampiro. Um, not a wrestling guy, so I don't know much about Vampiro Vampiro, but I thought the, I knew a little bit about him because I did watch wrestling for like six months of my life. Um, so I remember him with the misfits. That was the thing I do remember. Um, so, uh, it's basically the rise and fall of Vampiros, which this is what it's called. It's called, uh, 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 nail in the coffin, the rise and fall of Vampiro. So it's basically an intimate, uh, very invasive documentary about his relationship with his daughter, which is very Aww. sweet and very good. It just takes a while to kind of get to that aspect. But it is really touching because, you know, he was uh, it was somebody that really tried um, for Mexican culture because wrestling started in Mexico. Um, uh, basically, them growing up watching like luchadors and stuff like that doing. I mean, it was just wrestling uh, for, for, for them. It was just this crazy lifestyle that people would lead um, him being really into it and starting basically from nothing getting into like the WWE, but not being a big superstar, but being a big superstar in his, uh, country. And, um, basically what he does now is as far as like his job and his relationship with his daughter, it's well done. I liked it. Uh, I do like the daughter, daddy daughter aspect more than the actual documentary itself. <coughs> Fair enough. Um, night drive, which uh, has everybody I love, but man, that movie's incredibly boring, so I'll move along. Um, the, other, the Other Lamb, which is another movie that deals with religion and cults. Um, it's a beautiful film. It's incredibly well shot. Great acting. Just did not fulfill everything I need. But it is very well liked amongst the people that did, did see it. So watch it. Let me know. It's just very slow. Um, next up was, uh, the pool. Um, so the pool is really, really, really good as in, in the, in the confinements of being the most absurd and ridiculous movie that you'll probably see this year. Um, but it has a belief, like, here's the thing is like, I, I tell people, I've told people about it when people are telling me about it, they're like, it's ridiculous. This guy gets trapped in a pool. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're, 
I was like, that's not so ridiculous. That happens in Florida. <laughs> like, like people go to clean a pool and then they can't get out. Like, the ladder's too high or people, like, fall into the pool and literally can't get out. Like, it's a normal thing. Like, uh, a lot of – some pools in Florida – I'm not sure if this is everywhere else. Maybe just Florida because it's how pools are mainly uh, built because you can't dig that deep in Florida or you'll have water. Um, so, like – it's not like public pools where there's a shallow end and a deep end. Like that's a normal thing that people know about. But in Florida, there's a lot of, Hey, this pool is just six feet deep. Um, like diving pools. So this literally, this, this is a abandoned uh, pool where they're filming a commercial and the commercial wraps up. And so the guy is taking care of a few things. Um, like after everybody leaves so he's alone and he's just going to chill out and he's going to be lay in the middle of the pool. But the pool, he falls asleep and the pool starts to drain. Ooh. So he is uh, in the pool and uh, a crocodile shows up and gets in the pool with him. So he literally has to not fall asleep and worry about going hungry, needing water and fending for his life with this crocodile. And this is where it gets ridiculous because every single thing that can go wrong goes wrong. Like it is fuck up after fuck up after fuck up to the point where it's hilarious. Like you're wanting to see, please do something next so I can see you fail. (laughs) And that's exactly what it is. And then you actually see somebody throw a crocodile, which I laughed out loud and said, Oh fuck. Well, yeah. Because I tell you what, no matter how angry you are or how big you are, I don't care if you're Mr. World or Mr. Olympia, you're not picking up a fucking crocodile. Like, that shit is not going to (laughs) happen. One, because that shit's going to fucking bite you. Two, alligators and crocodiles are heavy motherfuckers. But anyways. I believe you're from Florida. It's it's perfect because it's like this type of shit could happen in Florida. So this is like this is actually a documentary probably, but it's just hilarious because of all the shit that goes wrong. So it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, 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 oh. like you're constantly <laughs> doing that. I can't imagine watching this, the audience just fucking laughing and clapping and then just saying awe like every three minutes because that's how often something (laughs) wrong happens. No, this is the one I got the most festival FOMO from because everyone came out of it like, what the fuck? I was like, oh man. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, So while everybody was seeing Jojo Rabbit, I didn't want to see that because I'll see it later. I was very interested in... um, so this movie is presented as, hey, Jay Baruchel wrote a uh, horror movie, and he's in it. I'm like, oh, funny horror film. Cool. Nope. Jay Baruchel is funny in the movie, but this movie's fucked up. Like, it is brutal. It has What's the title? Random Acts of Violence. And it mm. really is Random Acts of Violence. So it's uh, basically this uh, comic book artist had an incident in his life uh, that he knew about with this uh, killer on this highway, so he based a comic book around these killings. 
And, uh, however, <laughs> the killer is not dead and real. And so while he's trying to finish up his last issue, the killer, I guess, knows about that and doesn't want that to happen. So he goes after the writer and his crew because he's basically they're doing this cross-country trip to have inspiration for this last book. And he <laughs> has a trouble knowing how to end it. So the killer stalks them doing random acts of violence on their trail. And so they know that he's hunting them. And it is not nice. I was sitting there thinking, when am I going to laugh? <laughs> Make me like, laugh, where's, Jay. Where's the funny parts? Where's the goon? I'm ready for goon, you know? And no, it's not. It's just no. really mean and has a huge punch in the face for social commentary. Unlike anything I was going to... I loved it because it was completely unexpected. Um, so that was great. Uh, sea Fever. Um, it's okay. It's uh, a ship out in the water that's dealing with a flesh-eating parasite. Sounds a lot better than it actually is, but the movie's not all that bad. I don't have a lot of good things to say about it, so I'll leave it. I gave it like a two and a half out of five. Um, Wrinkles the Clown, a documentary of a real thing that's in Florida. Um, as I really a, wanted to see that. As a Floridian, I'm very aware of Wrinkles the Clown. Um, <laughs> it has made uh, national news. Uh, I knew about it before it hit national news because it happened in Florida. It's real. Um, the guy's still active. He's still scaring people. It's a documentary about a clown for hire that will scare the shit out of your kids. And you can yeah. call him up and he'll be Wrinkles the Clown. And you pay him to come to your house and scare the shit out of your kids. Uh, and it's fucking funny. And it's a documentary about his how he started, uh, where he's at. He re- remains anonymous. Um, his face is not shown. No one knows his real name. Uh, mainly because he would be hassled even more um, than he already is. Even though it's probably not that hard to look it up since he puts his phone number everywhere. It's probably figure out his name but anyways uh it's really really funny and it opens up i think tomorrow friday so today's the fourth third um it opens up this weekend um or last weekend when you're listening to this episode i guess uh so yeah see that and last but not least i'll save one of my favorites which was vhs um very, very sweet, well-made. Um, it's uh, directed by Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon's son. Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon produced it, um, which is very, very sweet. I think it's kind of a family affair type thing. Um, and it is presented as you put in a VHS tape of this kid who got a video camera for Christmas. So... It's him recording himself, taping over his parents' wedding accidentally. So he's basically watching this tape of compilation of every uh, things that are taped over, taped over, taped over. So he discovers that you can plug it into your you know your camera into your VCR and record off television. So he records stuff off television, and while he flicks through the channels, 
So it has, you know, an older movie. It has softcore porn. It has that old pay-per-view scrolling station that would tell you what's coming up next. Um, soap operas, uh, like a Bob Ross, but it's all funny. It's all like parody. Like there's Joan Ross instead of Bob Ross. And she's literally steals a show, like every one of her segments and they have exercise, uh, stuff. So he's like constantly flicking back and forth while taking out the tape and also recording him and his friends doing shit. And, um, it's, there is this one sequence in the movie where it's not meant to be I guess, I, I don't know. Maybe it is because I it got me. There's a scene in the movie so random that it's so fucking sad to me. And then there's this uh, kind of narrative with him and his family too, with his mom and dad, and that got to me. And then, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you, but this shit goes for a fucking spin and then it becomes something else and i'm like what the fuck can't this like this movie does everything and it is really 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 good if you're fans if people are fans of like the w uh nuf halloween special it's very much kind of like that but i think it's a little bit better because of the comedy also um the dude from reno 911 uh, the one with the shorty shorts. Uh, Tom Lennon. Yeah, Tom Lennon. He's in it. He's fucking funny as hell. Uh, I he, love him. He's on the uh, QVC network. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a QVC host, and they keep flicking back and forth. And then the other guy, Mark something, he's uh, he's the um, soul-sucking <laughs> vampire in um, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, okay. Or the fun vampire. He sucks the fun out of things. Or he bores you. No, yeah, the emotional vampire. Yeah, emotional vampire. That energy vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so <laughs> he's in it. He plays uh, uh, one of those, um, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like appraisal people. Like, you bring something on Like the Antiques show. Roadshow? Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's exactly what it is. It's, so it's Antique Roadshow, and he, you know, tells you what you have, but it's also really funny. Okay, like, I'm gonna uh, see if I can request the screener. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really fun. it's really really funny. It's really charming. Um, also, when Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins show up, it's really funny. There's a couple other familiar faces in there. The softcore porn thing is probably my favorite, just because I remember watching stuff like that, like on Cinemax. <sighs> yeah, they have one called uh, Hot Winter. And that's the name of the movie. <laughs> they keep on talking about how it's hot in winter. And it's like, it's just really fucking funny. Um, but yeah, it's really, really good. It's I'm surprised it didn't make a little bit more buzz at Fantastic Fest. Because it's totally a Fantastic Fest movie. But yeah, that was our Fantastic Fest roundup. Only took three hours. <laughs> so uh, I, I think... It was successful. It was my first time. But you're a veteran. Do you think it was a success? Um, I mean, honestly, I was at the table a lot. Um, so it was very, I'm working and also mm-hmm. networking and, uh, you know, meeting new people, which is great because I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that will always ask, what do you do? You know, because I, I, I'm pretty personable. You, you know me. I'll talk to anybody. Um, 
but yeah, I, I like meeting new people, so I always consider meeting new friends, new people, watching some great movies. Um, I just wish I had better food. That's the only complaint I have fantastic about. South by is a little bit different because there's a lot of traveling involved. So you're going across yeah, town yeah. so you can stop off places. At Fantastic Fest, you're pretty much grounded because there's only like 45 minutes or an hour between movies, and then they board like 30 minutes before. So you want and to I didn't get any barbecue. I was in Austin. I didn't get chance to get any barbecue. That's the thing. Time. It's like the draft house is so back ass backwards. Like I don't know what the fuck their problem is. They need to have tacos and barbecue on the menu all the fucking time, and they don't. It drives me fucking crazy. And they have yeah. Too, they too, have too <laughs> much of a gourmet menu. But it's like gourmet fast food. And it drives me crazy because it's like $15 for a fucking burger. They do have like the festival prices, but still, the mo- all that food is cooked in some weird type of fucking grease. And like, I can't... It's. I literally lived off the breakfast tacos. They finally got breakfast tacos, or any taco in their capacity. They have always had like a festival burrito, but always had potatoes in it. And I don't want that shit. Um, so I literally ate breakfast tacos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the draft house. A rebel. Yeah. Okay, so a little bit more successful for me, but man, you killed it at that vinegar syndrome table. Um. That thing was like the anchor of the lobby. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really, really great. Um, you know, we, you know, a lot of people that come, it, it's weird because you might think, you know, sitting here listening to the show and like, oh, I, I buy Vinegar Syndrome movies. You'd be surprised of how many people at Fantastic Fest, you know, that are within the film community have no idea who we are. And that's not a bad thing. Because that's just new customers. And so it's really nice. That's why I always say, you know, when people say that, they're like, oh, man, no one knows who you are. I was like, well, I kind of prefer that because that's new customers and new people I can talk to, you know. And a lot of people, you know, and another thing with our our label is just that a lot of movies that we release – people really don't know about because they really are kind of, you know, the dark dingy corners of, you know, the film industry, you know, so some of our titles aren't very well known. So a lot of people coming up at the table and just like, I don't know what to choose. So it's always that question, like, what do you recommend? But I always ask, what do you like? You know, cause I, I want you to come back. I don't want to recommend my favorite and then be terrible. You know, right. You know, if you don't like, you know, rape revenge movies i'm not going to recommend any rape revenge movies if you don't like art house i'm definitely not going to recommend an art house film to you you know that type of thing but i had honestly a lot of people like i a couple people were drunk but you know it's what they want they hand me their card and they're like pick me out five (laughs) things it's like all right what do you like you know and literally i probably had maybe four or five people do that this year that would be fun. So I feel I, like that would be fun. And I gave him a card. I said, here's the card. You can email us. If you don't like the movies, let me know. You're not getting your money back, but let me know <laughs> what, what you think. Um, but anyways, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, lots of cool people coming to the table. Justin Long is a big genre fan. 
I didn't really realize that. Um, but he knew a lot of the movies that we had on the table. He was a fan of uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, uh, yeah. So that was kind of uh, <laughs> neat. Uh, Mike came up to the, the table um, and picked up a few things. He doesn't speak uh, English uh, very well. But um, he did. What did he get? I don't think he bought anything. Oh. Yeah, he was actually at the table. Like, we were always, like, we had, like, three or four people always at the table. Um, so it was kind of hard to keep up with what people were grabbing. But um, we saw, I sold, I say we, I, I said, personally, I sold uh, a ton of pledge nights because. Uh, you sold you know, me a pledge night. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's one of, like, you know, people ask me, what's my, you know, they always, that's another very, very common thing. Like, seriously, 70% of the people, like, what's your favorite thing on the table? And I always went to the telephone book or pledge night. Um, and I'm honest, like, I'm not, like, I'm not biased when it comes to label because I, you know, sometimes I don't like movies that we release. But it's also, not going to sit there and trash it, but I'm not going to recommend it over something like, you know, the telephone book or whatever. Because that's the whole thing is I don't, you know, you can even consider it a salesman. I I don't want to sell something to people that I'm not confident in that I don't know if they will like. Because I'm pretty easygoing when it comes to movies. I My typical rating on everything is 2.5 out of 5. Like, I if I'm not bored, I give it a 2.5. So, but I'm also going, if somebody picks up, you know, for example, you and I like Star Time, but I'm probably not going to recommend Star Time to the normal person that walks over to the table. Fair enough. You know, just because I know how that movie plays to a wider audience. Now, if I knew you and you walked over the table, I'd probably recommend Star Time. But to the normal kind of genre fan i'm not going to i'm going to recommend you know demon wind or graduation day or madman something like that but um you know everybody has different tastes that's what i try to get to and i think i was that was very successful on doing that and kind of making people make sure they get get the right things or something that i know that they would enjoy so but we hope to continue this tradition at Fantastic Fest. It's kind of a staple at Fantastic Fest is having a vinegar syndrome booth there because it does it does very well and we turn people on to new cinema. We had two films play there, which was great, Prey and uh, Taming the T-Rex. And, um, you know, definitely a lot of new fans because of Tammy. Like, Yeah, it seemed like a good partnership. Yeah, people... Uh, People really liked it. It was really funny. I mean, I could talk about this now. Um, is that uh, so? When I contacted Evram, who's one of the programmers, and um, uh, Noah and Brian Kelly, uh, two of the other programmers. So I, you know, was talking to them. Noah's a good friend of mine. Uh, Noah Lee is one of the head programmers there, and um, so it's like, hey, you know, we had Sudden Fury last year. This year. You know, we had Taming the T-Rex. And he was like, oh, I know that movie. I don't know about that. And I was like, well, there's a score cut. It's like, you know, uh, it's like 12 minutes longer. There's, it's a hard R, basically. There's, you know, violence. There's blood. Um, you know, there's cursing. And uh, I said, it's by the director of Mac and Me. 
And he was like, oh, Mac and Me sucks. And I was like, yeah, but have you ever seen the ending, the original ending to Mac and Me? And he was like, no. So I sent him the original ending to Mac and Me. And uh, have you seen the original ending to Mac and Me? No. All right. So for the audience and you, at the original ending of Mac and Me that was cut, basically, uh, last minute, was uh, the kid wheelchairs himself very fast to go get in front of Mac and the policeman shoots him right in his chest and kills him. The little boy. And then they they fire on Mac's family (laughs) and kill the family of aliens. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is by the director Tammy and the T-Rex. So like it just has this brutal ending. And so basically the studio was like, no, we can't do that. Kids aren't liking this because it's a kid's movie. So they cut out that ending um, and, you know, they did, did uh, you know, place the other thing. But uh, so basically this ending is lost, but they didn't cut out the ending in Japan. So the only way to actually see that ending was a Japanese laser disc or VHS. So... I was like, well, where's the score? It's like literally three days later, I get a text saying, well, you made it into Fantastic Fest. We have to play this thing, which was great because, you know, they could see the obviously the, the, the potential as far as audience. And I was there for uh, we actually had opening night, which is great. We played after Jojo Rabbit at eight o'clock and um, a full house. And we had a second screening, which apparently was a full house, too. And the audience just went fucking berserk. Like yeah, no kidding. In the first five minutes between um, Paul Walker's goofy looking face walking in <laughs> and the awful opening song for, uh, you know, do the T-Rex song that plays to the melodrama. Um, Leave me alone when Denise Richards runs away with her arms flailing in the air. To Paul Walker eating a flower, to the nut grab. This is all in five minutes. To the ending. Yeah. Like, but this is all in the first five minutes is eating a flower, melodrama, and the nut off was what you yeah, called it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the song. Yeah. And it's like, doesn't make any sense because they're grabbing each other's nuts. And then, like, Billy's hurt and Paul Walker gets up. But, like, Paul Walker was like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and they're like, why aren't you in pain? He's like, I'm wearing a cup. I was like, bitch, why were you in pain the whole time? None of the movie makes sense. It's completely absurd, but it's that's the beauty in it. And it, it really is a fun crowd pleaser, and it's playing so well. And the cool thing about it is we're reaching a new audience for Vinegar Syndrome, which is awesome. Yeah, so um, yeah. we're, we're very happy with it, and we love Fantastic Fest for having us because it was uh, – you know, really, really awesome. So, by well, I'm proud of you, shit. kid. You did great. Yeah, and I got to see a lot of movies. And yeah, that's what I was telling Curtis that was with me for the first half. You know, he's like, do we just stand here in the lobby? And I said, honestly, <laughs> no. Let's just cover the table and go see a movie. You know, just because, like, no one's in the lobby. for the, Especially the first few days. You know, um once the movies are playing, no one's standing around the lobby. And plus people are respectful, you know, we're on the honor system here. 
So, but yeah, you're going to come next year? If they'll have me, definitely. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Any last words? Uh, no, just uh, even if you can't make it to these festivals, just keep that that kind of open-minded uh, spirit of discovery when it comes to seeing movies out of your comfort zone because that's what it's really about. Yeah, and honestly, sometimes seeing movies that you know nothing about turn out to be your favorites. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that was something that I learned from Janet Pearson. At uh, She's the head uh, program at South By. She gives mm-hmm. that advice. Go see a movie you know nothing about because literally nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten, it's always going to be a favorite. Every time I think I've seen 70% yeah. of what I saw, I didn't know anything about. Yeah, and that's the cool thing is like, you know, it, it's it's curated by movie lovers for movie lovers. You're going to have stuff that you don't like. You're always going to have that, but you're going to walk away with a lot more films that you love and will be on your favorites list than the things that. And plus, the stuff that you don't like, it's literally not the worst things you will ever see that year. No, and we all love bitching about movies we didn't like, so that's kind of fun, too. Yeah, if everybody agreed, (laughs) like, you know, that's the fun thing is walking out of things and just not liking something is just as fun as liking something, you know? Like, I love when I know somebody likes something, like, hey, man, how'd you like the deeper you dig? And then I could just make a fart noise. Thanks. (laughs) You know, something like that. But, um, you know. Anyways, that's a good time. Yeah, let's get some sleep. Thank you for listening if you listen to this whole thing. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see what we clock in on at this. (laughs) I'm just going to count out the last 30 minutes of me just talking about vinegar syndrome. (laughs) So, all right. Well, uh, this is episode whatever. Um, Go to the screencast and watch shit or listen to stuff. And read stuff. Yeah, and and re- oh yeah, that's right too. You have uh, a few actual more in-depth reviews, yeah. um, and then also kind of snippets, right? Yeah, I'm a very talented writer. Everyone should go read it. There you go. I like I like that. I like that. So yeah, Steph wrote <laughs> some stuff, and then also I guess uh, by the time this post, uh, Slee Stack, aka Jay Hawkinson, who was with us at Fantastic Fest, uh, I believe it, he wrote up some stuff as well for the site so so go see uh go read that listen to the show and watch these movies uh pay attention to the show too because the ones that we really liked will probably drop uh uh words as far as them coming out potential release dates distribution deals and we'll talk about it when they end uh basically come out because sometimes some of these movies that we talk about don't see distribution or a release until like a year later so pay attention to that because we will bring them up again of our favorites when they're released so that's it that's all (laughs) yep go listen to Sean's audiobooks that's it woohoo alright see you guys
Lost 